Hi, everyone. I'm Cindy Mooring, the founder and executive chair of the Business Integrity Leadership Initiative at the Sam M. Walton College of Business. And this is The Biz, the Business Integrity School podcast. Here, we talk about applying ethics, integrity, and courageous leadership in business, education, and most importantly, your life today. I've had nearly 30 years of real world experience as a senior executive. So if you're looking for practical tips from a business pro who's been there, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome, let's get started. Hi everybody, and welcome back for another episode of the Business Integrity School. And today I'm fortunate to have with me, Michael Bender. Hi, Michael, how are you? Good, Cindy, how are you? Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Now, before we jump into the podcast, I wanna tell you a little bit about Michael and how lucky we are to have him with us today. Michael is the president and the CEO of iMart Express, which is a 30-year-old eye care retailer with both an online presence and now over 225 physical locations in 41 states. So they're really growing and growing fast. Michael also serves on the board of directors of Kohl's, which is a large department store chain in the U.S., which uh, has over 1,100 outlets and operations in every state except one, Hawaii. You got to get there, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Prior to this, Michael had a very distinguished career, um, an executive career at Walmart, where he served as the chief operating officer of Walmart e-commerce and as an EVP over operations for Walmart stores in the U.S., on the western side of the U.S. He also had very senior roles at Cardinal Health, which is a global integrated healthcare services and products company, L Brands, Victoria's Secret, an international specialty retailer, and PepsiCo, a global food and beverage company. And Michael is a graduate of Stanford University, and he has an MBA from Kellogg Graduate School of Management at Northwestern University. So Michael, thanks for being here. You have an incredibly fabulous background and experiences that I think have just set you up perfectly for the role that you've been in now for about four years. You've had executive experience in both retail and in healthcare and online and offline. So it seems like it was probably a match made in heaven. Tell us a little bit about the company and some of the main advancements in the last four years. Sure. Yeah. So um, as, as you had mentioned, iMart Express is a, um, a uh, optical retailer, uh, sits in that space uh, here in the U.S. with uh, over 225 stores in 41 states. Um, one of the things that's really important about that business, it's private equity back. So um, that's a different experience for, for me, um, as you laid out my background, uh, mainly being in public uh, environments. Um, and so right now, the focus for us is on growing. Um, it's a 30-year-old company that has had a wonderful track record as a family-run business. And over the last five years or so, as private equity has gotten involved, the real mandate uh, from, uh, from our ownership has been to grow this wonderful model um, reliably and set it up for being able to scale um, even faster. And so we've, we've been about um, working each of the function, functional areas of the business and building out um, strength within those functions working on things like ways of working um, and making decision making um, and building out the platform for actually building the uh, building more stores and more units, but also uh, with a focus um, 
like I've had in some of my previous experiences of bringing the digital capabilities that are emerging in the industry and within our company specifically with that strong brick and mortar presence as well. In the optical space, um, we're, we're advantaged because we actually have a lot of information that we can work with. So that helps us uh, really understand who our customer is. It helps us understand where we need to go next in terms of building out additional sites. And it's been a fun experience so far in, in working in that space. I love the fact that we're able to bring healthcare and retail together with a little bit of fashion. Everybody's wearing yeah. glasses for different experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Now this last year has been tough for everybody with the pandemic and you sit, you know, sort of at the juncture between retail and healthcare. How has it affected your business and and how are you, uh, um, what's some of the wisdom you've gained by leading through a pandemic? Yeah, well, certainly 2020 was, uh, was a year for the for the record book and certainly we all can write a, a new chapter in our in our career history yeah. as a result of what uh, what we experienced and, and continue to experience but you know for us the impact that uh, COVID has had on the business uh, like many retailers we did actually have to close our stores for almost eight weeks um, last year um, around this time actually in late March uh, through the early part of May um, and during that period of time, we um, focused, like many other retailers, on making sure that when we were able to reopen, whenever that was, um, that we could do it safely. And so we amassed uh, lots of PPE and all the other things and then sort of really rewrote the book about how we go to market yeah, and how we um, take care of our associates and take care of our, our customers in an environment that was still um, ever evolving um, back then, as, as we know. There wasn't a whole lot known, and so um, we just right. we had to make sure that we were um, that we were covering all the bases, um, as well as focusing on making sure that uh, we had a business to come back to whenever we were able to open. So we had to make some tough decisions. Uh, we we did furlough a lot of our associates, but we actually um, part of our culture is making sure that we're focused on on the associate and mm -hmm. really understanding that they're the ones that. Um, that make the company go. So, you know, we did things like um, pay for their health insurance during the period of time that they were furloughed. Uh, we offered um, bonuses to them um, as they left and actually as they came back in as well. That's and um, through some of those efforts, we were able to uh, maintain um, a strong uh, connection with our associates, even though they, they weren't working during that period of time. And when we were able to open, uh, we got literally the, the vast majority of our associates decided to come back and, um, and were very supportive of, of those decisions. And, and so that was one of the big learnings. I think uh, from a business standpoint, um, certainly the acceleration of e-commerce. And um, you know, when we closed our doors, um, you know, because we're in the business of selling something that people need, we still had people saying, well, how am I going to get my glasses if you're not right. open? And um, we already had a we had an e-commerce business that was already up and running, and it just accelerated like a lot of other businesses these days. And we found that um, yeah, out of necessity, we had to make some additional um, changes and build new capabilities during that time that we were closed very quickly. And so we learned a lot about ourselves, Cindy, during that period of time. That um, some of the decisions that we had sort of put on the shelf and said we'll get to that later, we had to pull right. off the shelf and said let's get on with this now. Yeah. And um, and some of the some of the ways that um, things happened in the business in terms of decision making, we also learned a lot about how we could sort of cut to the chase and make decisions more quickly um, to help the business continue to um, uh, to move forward. So um, lots of learnings, um, lots of twists and turns every day. Um, there was, um, you know, there was a new twist that, uh, that came along, but at the center of our decisions uh, during that period of time, were always the health and safety of our, of our associates and our customers. 
um, and then um, right along with that, making sure that um, all of our decisions led to us being able to have a strong business uh, on the other side. Yeah. Um, that was sort of the mentality that we had as a, as a team going through that period of time. And, um, you know, we're, we're a healthy business and we're, we're back up and running and have been since last May and, um, you know, still navigating all the, all the yeah. twists and turns, but, um, but doing well. Yeah, well, it sounds like you've did a good job navigating that without a playbook uh, in terms of building trust with your customers and with your associates and um, all of your business partners. And that's that's going to serve you well in the long run. Um, you know, there are a lot of reports actually that came out. Edelman does this trust barometer report, has for over 20 years. They did some um, supplements during COVID and actually found that brands and companies that really put forth the effort like you just described very, very, in a very detailed way about with examples of what you had done to help your associates and put growth on the back burner, you know, a bit during the time, because you kind of have to, are the companies that are really going to shine um, on the other side of this. So we were very like you're well positioned. We were very deliberate and intentional about every decision that we made during that time, because we knew how critical um, each decision happened to be. And um, I was proud of uh, how the team came together. You learn a lot about um, about the people that you that you work right. with and, and, and the people that you engage with um, when you're going through a period of time like that. And um, if anything, it's brought uh, our team closer together. Mm. Um, you know, when you have to go through the fire together, and you and you actually still are winning on the other side, um, there's a there's a certain amount of uh, deeper bonding that goes on that um, that we were really excited to um, to be a part of. That's great. Well, so I'm Art Express is a private company, which you mentioned uh, earlier. And uh, your, your background prior to that was with a whole host and a large number of public companies. Yeah. And as you know, uh, and as we lived together at Walmart for several years, there's, there's yeah. a real microscope on public companies when it comes to things like culture of integrity, when it comes to like risk management controls, being public about what you're doing for the ESG effort, environment and social and governance issues. And so my question to you is now that you've gone to the, the other side and worked for a private company for about four years, do you see that same focus on those kinds of issues in a private company? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, um, and I, I can only speak for the company that I'm a part of and the firms yeah. that, uh, that I've been uh, attached to. But um, the good news is, is the answer is yes. Um, and uh, it, it, uh, the firm that we work with and the, the company that I'm running uh, we are responsible every year for making sure that there's an ESG plan in place um, and a focus for our business on ESG beyond just the dollars and cents and the transactions and the dollars that we that we deliver. So yeah. um, I would say that um, I think in a relative sense, um, because of the scrutiny that you mentioned that public companies um, uh, uh -huh. are exposed to, um, I would say on balance, there's probably um, more, um, there's more advancement and, and more maturity in the ESG plans that I've seen uh, now having seen some on the public side, lots on the public side, and, and a few now on the on the private side, uh -huh. um, but more and more now, I think um, private equity um, is is certainly understanding that that's an important part of um, building a business um, holistically as well. Yeah, I do too. I think. Um... Larry Fink's letter uh, about a lot of those issues uh, for BlackRock has, has kind of set a different tone. And it sounds like um, the investment company you work with and your company was ahead of that curve anyway. So that's great to see. So, you know, Michael, more companies are staying private these days and are choosing to stay private, not only stay private, but stay private for longer. Right. 
and with that privatization or staying private does come less transparency into things that public companies have to report on kind of quarterly um, governance and you know numbers and metrics and and so I just wonder when knowing that trend is for companies to stay private and stay private longer. I wonder if that could potentially contribute to us seeing some greater uh, increase in some bad governance and bad cultures of integrity. And what comes to mind for me are things like Theranos with Elizabeth Holmes and you know the blood prick technology. And she had contracts with Walgreens and others going and the company did. Incredible. And we work, I mean, we work with Adam Newman, you know, had 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 huge plans. And in fact, we worked had to pare back on a lot of those. So do you think that it's being private that had anything to do with that? Do you think it was just the startup mentality, something else? What what do you think? Yeah, I think um, I, there there are enough um, there's enough bad behavior both in public and private domains that uh, I'm not so sure that it's either one of those. Um, and I would say it's it's really more about um, the tone at the top. Um, and to me, that has less to do with whether you've decided to go or to stay private or to uh, to go public. Um, and it's more about who is who is leading uh, the charge, um, whether it's you know, on the private side. And in the case of my situation, you know, I'm in lockstep with our ownership group about the things that are important for us to uh, focus on as a business. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we we establish right up front the norms and the, the ways that we want to work and and what's important. And and at the top of that, and Cindy, you, you've worked with me before, um, integrity. Integrity, integrity is kind of the uh, the, the big uh, the big push. So for me, I think a lot of it is is more about making sure that um, you know the, the firms have the ability to um, have the right tone at the top, and that that is something that is um, endorsed, supported, outwardly, um, and, and reinforced um, day in and day out. Um, so I, I that that's that's my perspective, and that's what I've seen. And, um, and like I said, I think there's um, you, know, you, you see bad behavior in both of those those settings, and yeah. um, and I think usually when you see that, it, it you can point right back to um, you know the the top of the organization or somewhere near there, allowing bad behavior, and because um, it is a choice, right? Um, everybody leading a company today can say, this is what I stand for and reinforce it and make sure that the decisions um, lead to um, good outcomes uh, for all the constituencies or not. And uh, in the cases where that's not the case, you can literally point back in most, most instances to um, a person or a group of people who have decided um, that they'd like to go in that direction. Right, right, which I which I don't which I would never endorse. <laughs> right, right. So, how do you make sure at a private company that like new employees coming in, you know, thinking about business students just getting out of school here and and looking for a job, and you're out trying to hire people because you're trying to grow. How do you make sure that they they understand and get a true sense of what what the company is really like? Because there there really isn't there's no public documents necessarily for them to go to to get a feel for that. So how do you make sure that they have a sense of the culture of integrity and everything else at the company and it's ESG's, ESG's, ESG efforts? Yeah, I think um, to me, it, it's, it's as simple as just uh, making sure that um, the leadership talks about it. Um, in addition to saying, you know, it's important for us to make this kind of money and our growth looks like this and we want to open this number of stores. Right. Um, right along with that conversation needs to be, um, and this is what we stand for as an organization. These are our values, our principles, how we go to 
um, how we how we treat people, and um, and then just reinforcing that day in and day out, and um, and making sure that you know um, that you're doing the best job you can of hiring people who um, who want to be in that kind of setting and appreciate yeah. um, the value that um, those values can bring to um, to the organization. Um, that's that's really the the simplest way, I guess, that I would uh, say. And then just modeling that behavior day in and day out. Yeah. Um, and being consistent in, in the way that you deliver that from a leadership standpoint. That's, that to me is so important. The, the best leaders that I've worked for are the ones who definitely set a high bar for performance, right. um, but also reinforce that with, we will always do it the right way right. Um, and, and stay on the, on the right side of, um, right side of, um, of the law, if you right, will, right, right. And, um, and never, and never push um, too close to that where, um, where your integrity and your, and your values are, are compromised. Um, yeah. That's a, that's a hard thing to claw back from if you if you ever get yourself in that situation. And um, I think the, just about every day you can pick up the paper and read about someone who's very smart people who have made a, a bad choice. Yeah, it, it ruins lives and families and yeah. reputations and careers. And, and it's um, just it's, it's so just, unfortunate because it is so unnecessary, but it also then. Um, kind of reemphasizes why it isn't a one and done in terms of the conversation. Like you just said, it's walking the talk every day and continuing to emphasize it because here we are, you know, 2021. And, you know, my, my own personal opinion isn't necessarily that conduct has gotten worse, but we live in this transparent world now where um, information is more readily available and there aren't as many places to hide. So, um, you know, bad behavior can find the light of day, you know, quite easily. And, um, Um, but it is disheartening that it's in the paper so much. It does mean that yeah. you, I think we just have to continue to double down on it and yeah. keep Rumby going. I think part of it also for us and, and how I've tried to manage things during my career, Cindy, is the when you talk about goal setting and we just we just come off of that process inside of our company. Uh-huh. There's a there's a fine line between setting an aggressive target where someone says, "Wow, that's going to make me have to." stare at the, the wall at midnight and really think creatively about how we get there Yes. versus someone says, I have no idea how we're going to get there. And the only way it seems like we're going to be able to do it is if we sort of screw around the system or cut corners. And um, so I, I've always tried to make sure that, um, yes, we, we lean hard into making sure that we have aggressive goals that can be meet, that can be met and that there's an opportunity to um, push yourself to think more creatively but I'm very keen on also making sure that um, you don't cross that line where people just throw their hands up in the air and their minds start going to bad places about how they have to get there. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, that's all the company really cares about is that we meet the goals and they don't really care about how we do it. So yeah, that's, it is a, it's a fine line that you have to walk because I mean, it, you do need to make money. Like, I mean, that's why we're, <laughs> that's why the company is in business is to make money, but to do that in the right way. So, yeah. So let's talk a little bit more then about the difference between public and private companies and the business roundtables um, recent pronouncement uh, that they changed after many, many years from the Milton Friedman position of, you know, the stockholder is supreme and that is the one and only and primary, I should say, purpose of a corporation to um, now more of a stakeholder theory um, when they're talking about what the purpose of a corporation is and really recognizing that it's there to serve the associates and the employees 
employees and uh, the customers and the communities, um, as well as the shareholders. So it isn't really a, a, an either or the way they have positioned it. But that's a group of very large um, organizations, public organizations. And so I guess my question to you is, do you think that same um, uh, shareholder, shareholder theory has sort of is does it still reign supreme, if you will, in the private um, company world, or do you think that it has moved more to a stakeholder view as well? Where do you think they are on the continuum generally? Yeah, I think, um, and, and again, I, my experience has been uh, been a positive one so far um, in, in my involvement with private equity. And, and uh, what I would say is that yes, again, um, private equity uh, understands that it's more it's more than just making the money. Um, that is absolutely what has to happen and that's uh, that certainly is a, a key metric that everybody um, drives to in, in this space um, but also um, there's a firm understanding that to do that um, you have to take all those other customers as, as we as we call them into account um, yeah. um, shareholders um, customers our associates um, NGOs all the others that are involved in really helping a company holistically uh, perform at its at its highest level and um, to me the the most enlightened um, organizations whether it's private or public are the ones that actually fully embrace that so the you know what the mm -hmm. business roundtable has articulated uh, I think is spot on in terms of um, you know what the role of an organization is going forward. Yeah, and you and I, you know, spent uh, time at Walmart, and we understand the you know the theory of uh, or the concept of, of servant leadership. It's it's yeah. almost a servant leadership model uh, from a business standpoint. Of it is. What, yeah. what is your purpose as a business? It's to actually serve your customers and, and your right. constituents, and that is a now a, a broader group of individuals than it was. 10, 20, 30 years ago. Right, right, right. Yeah, because back then it wasn't it wasn't really talked about um, no, no. much at all in business schools or in business. So do you think it's here to stay? I do, I do. And I think it'll only expand um, as we move forward. Yeah. And what's been interesting to me, um, Cindy, is the, the transition um, to how all those different constituents now have a voice. And that's, that's one of the things that I've seen happen over the last uh, 10 or 20 years of my career is that, um, you know, pick your, pick your lane, but, you know, whether it's uh, sustainability um, or a focus on uh, diversity, um, groups within those segments and all others now have found a, a really strong voice and understand that the influence that they can have uh, for good Right. Uh, is something that they're exercising um, that right, if you will, much more than you've ever seen before. Um, and, and even in these last couple of years, it's, it's been even more so um, having to, companies have to listen to those voices now. And if they don't, um, consumers will make the choice to say, I have another option to go to because this company doesn't stand for what I believe in. And uh, companies now, the smart ones are, 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 making themselves um, into organizations that um, actually are keeping step um, in, in, in step with the customers that they serve, mm -hmm. which, you know, that's, that's the, that's the role of, of a company, understand right. your customer and make sure that you're providing what they, they need for them. And that's the, um, the best companies I think are ones that are, that are doing that. Um, it's actually very exciting to see um, because they're, they're playing a greater role in society beyond just, making the dollars and cents. That's, mm -hmm. you know, they have to do that like you and I just uh, were, were saying, 
um, but the role that they can play on social issues and, um, and the rest are, are, are really exciting to see how companies are picking um, their lanes. So with that in mind, let me ask you if you, um, so if you think the stakeholder theory is sort of here to stay, and if you think out into the future uh, of business and think about the future of business integrity and ESG and, and where we're all you know, headed into the, into the future, if you only had three words to describe what the future of business integrity, doing business responsibly um, should be, or you hope that it will be, what would those be? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. I've, um, I've thought about this a lot too, because I think, um, I think words are important, right? Um, the first word that comes to mind is uh, transparency. Um, I think more and more now, that's what is being demanded, um, you know, from all the different uh, constituency groups um, that, uh, that support um, and are part of an ecosystem for, uh, for an organization. So uh, businesses will have to be more and more transparent, um, sharing information um, to help um, everyone understand really what are they about and, and how, do they, how do they do what they do. Um, Secondly, uh, we just talked about it. Um, uh, I'm, I'm using the word integration or integrated. Yeah. Uh, you know, collaboration, I think is another good word that comes to mind for what I was thinking about when, I, um, when, when you asked that question. Um, but you know, uh, making sure that all the different groups that need to be um, in on a conversation about what's important for uh, an organization um, would be, would be a, another, another big piece. And as you had mentioned, Going it alone these days is probably not the best way to do it because um, mm -hmm. you're not going to get the comprehensive answer. So, um, and that leads me to maybe the third word that I would uh, describe would be inclusive. Um, mm -hmm. To make sure that um, there are um, all the right people sitting around the table um, with the with the appropriate points of view and the, the pertinent points of view for whatever the issue is that we're we're trying to solve for. Um, so it's not just a group of business people sitting in the room saying this is what we think should happen to solve this problem um, in, in society, but it's it's business, NGOs, um, churches, you know, whoever, yeah. whoever needs to be in it, and yep. and having and having the um, the the willingness and the comfort to be able to say I'm okay with um, having other input and other pieces of input from um, various parts of, of this problem that we're trying to solve in on the discussion. Yeah, I think that is super important too, as technology becomes more pervasive um, in business, you can't just have a group of technology folks, you know, information systems or whatever, kind of in the room engineers doing it on their own because there are a number of, of issues that come up ethics related or otherwise, um, that if you don't take that inclusive approach that you're talking about with, you know, kind of thinking about it in the agile methodology with everybody around the table, who's got a stake in that decision, helping to inform what the technologists are going to, are going to go away and do and to come back with a piece of tech that, you know, has all the governance it needs and it works in the right way and solves the business problem and, you know, doesn't exacerbate with artificial intelligence, any discriminatory or other unethical, you know, yeah. you know effects to it, which could really, really cause us issues down the road. So, yeah. so let me ask you one other question then for what do you think is the most important uh, things for business schools? Just, just 
one or two, maybe three, uh, to be focusing on these days to best prepare students to enter what I will call a disruptive uh, business world right now and one that I think will continue to be disruptive. Um, in the future, what what are the most important attributes? Because I think they've changed uh, to help prepare these students. What do you think they are right now? I think in addition to continuing to, to, to teach the sort of uh, what I'd say the core fundamentals of business, whether it's marketing or finance or whatever, maybe keep keep doing that. That's that's awesome. Um, but um, this rising focus on ethics, I think, is a really important um, part of what should be included in every curriculum in a business school these days. And I know, um, you know you're leading um, a, a very important and exciting effort there. Um, but I also, um, I, I know schools that have said that's not, that's still not important. And um, I just think that that's um, more and more that will distinguish the people within a company um, differently. Um, if you have people coming out already knowing that that's a part of what uh, needs to be thought about. Um, in addition to, yes, we need to make the numbers and have yeah. great marketing plans and all those kind of things. That would be one. Yeah. I would say, you know, I would, I would love to see um, a more service-oriented um, curriculum in business schools as well. Um, and, and by that specifically, I mean, um, again, this sort of servant leadership type of a, of a thought process that um, one of the requirements of your time in business school is to serve. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that could be, that could come in the form of a lot of different, um, different ways of doing that. Um, but I think um, that kind of mentality coupled with yes, the, you know, the go get them and, and uh, knock down the, the goals uh, mentality that often is taught in, in business schools yeah. um, is really important to sort of provide that counterbalance that I think leaders in the future will need to be able to, to have empathy, understanding, um, in addition to yes, the, you know, the, the big um, focus on, on driving for results, that balance, um, I would see leaders um, in the future needing to embrace more and more of that. Um, and then maybe lastly, just exposing students to um, you know, these kinds of um, discussions like you know, the one that we're having today. Um, uh, to me, the, the most exciting part of, um, of going through business school, and I went through it, was um, having exposure to others who I could look yeah. up to and say, okay, that, that's, that's maybe the model that I want to try to, yeah. uh, to run to. Um, not just because they hit their numbers all the time or that they're the CEO of a company, but because they're a human being right. that, um, that understands, yes, you know, we have a business to run, but um, you know, there's a human side of that as well that's really important. So um, those are a few things that I would um, say are important as we um, think about the, you know, the, the teaching in a, in a business school environment going forward. That's great. Thank you. Those are, I think, really good points, really good points. Yep. Well, this time together has been great. And I always like to end on some fun questions. Uh, at the end, we've all had a little more time during COVID to read or watch TV or listen to some podcasts. And I find that people are always looking for new suggestions or yes. something that's interesting. So what have you uh, watched or read or listened to lately for fun, uh, but that you found also had kind of this interesting ethical dilemma to it? Anything yeah. come to mind for you? Yeah, there may be two things I could point to. One, uh, one is a book. It's called 101 Ethical Dilemmas. Um, it's by a, a gentleman by the name of Martin Cohen. And it's just a fun book that uh, presents, you know, the 101 ethical dilemmas that you have to sort of think your way through. And, um, 
and it, it, it's, a, it's a fun way to do it. It's nothing so serious, but, but one of the things that, that is really neat about it also is that it gives you a range of those ethical dilemmas from sort of today, and it takes yep. you all the way back through history, um, oh, you know, wow. empire and those kinds of things that, um, that people back in those days faced. And um, it just challenges your mind to think about, okay, what would I do in that situation? And um, yeah. so that, that's, that's one. That's awesome. I think from, a, um, from a, a movie that I've watched recently, and um, I, don't, I don't know if you've seen it, Cindy, but it's called Dark Waters um, with Mark Ruffalo. And I've not watched that one yet, but I've heard about it. Now yeah. I'm going to have to move it up on my list. Okay. It's an interesting story. And um, it, it, his character is a lawyer inside uh, DuPont. And DuPont has um, contaminated um, the whole um, water system in this um, rural community. And it's the whole story um, of his journey through that period of time where he ends up actually going to the other side, basically, and saying, we actually did, we actually did do wrong here. And it was just an interesting, interesting story as, um, as, I, as I watched the movie. So yeah. that's what that's that's one recommendation those are great thank you for those suggestions i think they're both uh both very timely and both very good so i appreciate that well michael this has been a fabulous conversation i really really appreciate you taking the time to sure. share your thoughts uh with all of us it has just been enlightening and it's been good to to see you again and be able to have the conversation even if it's via zoom so <laughs> i appreciate it i appreciate you um, allowing me to do it and it's always good to be with you cindy Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you to all of you for listening or watching this week's episode of the Business Integrity School. And we'll be back again next week with another episode. See you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Biz, The Business Integrity School. You can find us on YouTube, Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and rate us. And you can find us by searching The Biz. That's one word, T-H-E-B-I-S, which stands for The Business Integrity School. Tune in next time for more practical tips from a pro.